Welcome to Dwight Explains the Bible, Season 4. In my last episode, I think I mentioned that I was going to do a whole history lesson on where Christianity came from, starting with the Sumerians all the way up to modern Christianity. Um, The problem with that is that there was a lot of visual aids that I had formulated to go along with this. Um, I'll still try to give you a rough overview, but that became a challenge for me to present it over a podcast. I'll get into that right before I get into the main message of my podcast today, which is that Mark proves that Jesus is useless. You heard me right. If the gospel of Mark is true, then Jesus is false. This is going to be a fun podcast today, so I hope everybody uh, is ready for it. But first, there's three quick things that I wanted to bring up. First off, it looks like I'm ranked number 55 in podcasts in the UK in the religious category. So that's exciting. Thanks, UK people. Another thing that I wanted to share with you is a website called evilbible.com. I'll repeat that in just a minute, but it's a website that has all of the horrible Bible verses out there. Um, If you go to the main page, you go down to the bottom, it has the links for the different articles. And the most fascinating one for me to read was God is not pro-life. That goes over all the genocides and baby killings and everything else. So again, that is evilbible.com. So pause the podcast really quick, open up your browser, pull that up, um, just so you have it for later, maybe bookmark it. I'm not affiliated with that website, it's just a good source of information. So pause and then come right back from evilbible.com. Okay, great, you're back, maybe, maybe you didn't leave. Um, One of my online buddies, He likes to troll Christians a lot. Um, He went on to Fiverr, which if you're unfamiliar, it's an online site where you outsource work that you have. Maybe it's graphic designs. Maybe it's editing a paper. Um, Some of these people, they uh, they offer their services for songwriting and composing. So my buddy contacted a Christian rapper. A guy who would write and compose a rap song based on whatever Christian topic you gave him. So, of course, my buddy uh, used the verse Psalms 137 verse 9. Happy is he who dashes his babies against the rocks. So it's talking about slamming your babies into the rocks and killing them. So he, he used that verse and told the artist... You can use all the creativity you want as long as you talk about the subject matter. The guy actually did a really good job. It's a very well done song. He definitely talks about it. He does uh, give a little bit of explanation in some of the verses he says. But it's a quick two minute song. And I'm going to play you a clip of it now. May the Lord bless everyone who beats their children out against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children out against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children out against the rocks. 
that song will be the last two minutes of this podcast episode. So if you want to hear it again, just, you know, rewind or fast forward, get to the end of the podcast. And then if you want to see that song and download it somehow yourself, um, you get to play a game of social media scavenger hunting. So go to my website, godisababykiller.com, and at near the top, I've got my links to my social sites, including TikTok. Then you go to TikTok, and you'll see I made a bunch of videos with the same background. They're all baby, uh, I'm sorry, baby killing Bible verses. Um, and then you'll find that that sound on one of those videos, and then you can figure out who the guy is from there. If you want to find the song yourself and download it. The guy who basically paid to have that song done, um, his name's Jeff, and he goes live a lot on TikTok where he accepts guests, and then he'll start basically making them dig their own hole. Well, you get your morality from the Bible, right? And they always say yes. So God gives you your morality. So what do you think about killing babies? Is that like a three-month-old baby? Is that good or bad? Like, oh, it's bad. So there's never a situation where you should kill a baby. Oh, of course not. Well, what about 1 Samuel 15, 3, where God orders his people to kill the little babies? So it's a lot of fun watching him and listening to him terrorize these people, using their own logic against them and stuff, if you can call that logic. This is how the whole Sumerian thing breaks down. So if you look on a map over in Egypt by Mesopotamia, um, every place that the Bible talks about happens in a very small circle. Like if you go to a globe like you would have in a classroom where it's the earth on this uh, rotated stick and you can spin it and you try to see how fast you can spin the globe or you try to figure out maybe travel destinations by spinning the globe and randomly pointing somewhere. Um, so if you took a globe like that, the size of a basketball, and you put your thumb over the area in Egypt, that's where everything in the Bible takes place. Everything in the Bible is in that tiny little area. Um, so Sumer is in that area. Sumer, which is from the Sumerians, um, had many gods. Um, so you see their influences, um, just kind of spreading around. Um, then in that same area, they had, uh, another group who followed L and Ball, and Ball was known as the bull, and L was the main god, the, the top dog, um, Ball was the sun, um, but then the bull was also a reference to Marduk, who came from Sumeria, um, I know I'm kind of it's I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but like I said, it's a lot easier with the visual uh, things I put together. Um, but then here comes a tribe of people. Uh, you can look them up. There's not a lot of information on them, but they're called the Shasu of Yahoo. So the S H A S U, the Shasu of Yahoo, and Yahoo was an early primitive. Uh, variation of the name of God. Or at least the name or character of God that got later uh, turned into 
Yahweh. So as the Shasu of Yahoo showed up to this place where they had El and Baal, um, the existing place, uh, I, I'm forgetting, I think it's Babylon, but they replaced Baal with Yahoo, and they called him Yahweh. So they replaced Baal with Yahweh, and then later Yahweh just took over the place of El, and then Baal just kind of dropped out. Um, so then we have Yahweh as an established religion that then spread, um, you know, around the area. And then that's where you get the Israelites from. Um, there's a couple verses in the Bible that you can see where Yahweh came out of the north. And that's the Shasu nomads who brought Yahweh to them. Let's go ahead and get right into the main bit of this podcast episode. I guess we can call this episode, Jesus Christ, Mark! Basically, the rundown of how the scriptures work. Uh, We have two main parts, Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has the laws and then the uh, prophecies that come from the prophets. Um, Then the New Testament, we have the Gospels and then we have the Epistles. Chronologically... Paul's letters came first. So there was no record anywhere on earth of Jesus Christ until Paul wrote about him. Paul wrote about this Jesus guy as a spiritual being and not as somebody who walked on earth. Through the eyes of a lesser-held Christian belief, all the things that Jesus did were done, but it happened in heaven. Like, something along the lines of Jesus was spiritually crucified so he could understand what the humans went through or something like that and therefore there's salvation through Jesus because of his compassion in heaven. So it's kind of weird but um, the people who follow that basically follow the teachings of Paul and they ignore the gospels. And even out of the epistles of Paul, there's about 13 that people say Paul wrote, but there's only about six or seven of them that we actually believe were written by Paul himself or through the works of his scribe, where Paul would be dictating or narrating to his scribe. The next book chronologically that tells the story of Jesus is the Gospel of Mark. In the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew was, is presented first, but it's actually the second gospel as far as when it was written. The Gospel of Mark uh, dates basically between 60 CE to 70 CE. There's a bit of evidence saying it's 60 CE, but it talks about the destruction of the temple, which didn't happen until 70 CE. So a lot of people believe it happened in 70 CE when it was written. Unless you believe in miracles, then it's possible it was written in the 60s. So 30 years after Jesus supposedly walked the earth, we finally have the first story of Jesus walking on the earth. Before the Gospel of Mark, there was no story around that talks about Jesus being on earth. We have no evidence for Jesus being on earth whatsoever. Um, The Gospels are the only books that 
talk about Jesus being on earth. Mark was written first, so Matthew had Mark as a source, and the same with Luke and John. They had these previous Gospels to go off of. So the original source for all the Gospels is the Gospel of Mark, which invents the story of Jesus walking on earth. I won't get into a lot of detail right now, but there's been a lot of discussions that I've been a part of that talk about the historicity of Jesus. Did Jesus actually walk the earth? Um, we know Pontius Pilate was a real person, according to records but that doesn't verify Jesus. People will go to historians such as Josephus, um, Tacitus, and Pliny the Younger. These historians each talk about Christians or Christianity. They don't talk about Jesus himself. They didn't say there was this guy named Jesus who the Pontius Pilate crucified. They're just saying Christians exist. If you actually do any of the research yourself and you look at what Tacitus is saying, what Josephus is saying, none of them are talking about Jesus. They're only talking about the fan club, people who follow the Christian religion. These historians live decades after Jesus, so there is no historian in Jesus' time that wrote about him. There's no documentation by the Roman Empire or anyone else about Jesus. So all the historical evidence says there was not a person named Jesus. The lack of evidence would say that Jesus didn't exist. So there's three questions that need to be answered. One, it was Jesus really on earth? Two, did he do these miracles? And three, is he God the Son? My answer, of course, is no to all three questions. Maybe, maybe not a guy named Jesus walked the earth who claimed to be the Messiah. That happened a lot. There were a lot of Messiahs or a lot of people who claimed to be the Messiah. That's very popular um, in that time and place. Uh, the name Jesus or Yeshua was very popular in that time and place. But before the Gospel of Mark was written... There was no paper trail, no evidence whatsoever of Jesus. We've got, uh, you know, people say they found a nail that was used, which has no substantiation. The Shroud of Turin, which is supposed to be one of the cloths that he wore or something, which has been debunked. They found Noah's Ark. It's been debunked. Every time they come up with some sort of evidence trying to validate any of their wild claims, it gets shut down. Sure, we can look at the city Sodom and Gomorrah and see that it's been destroyed. But that it would stand to reason that if I saw a city that was destroyed, I would create a story of what happened. Oh, God must have did this. People say they found Jesus's empty tomb. Now that is like the most ridiculous and laughable statement ever. Imagine this. Uh, my front step out of my front door... Uh, Bigfoot punched a unicorn right in the face and then they both ran off. So if you open up my front door, you'll see the, the place where they used to stand. They're not there now, but me having a front doorstep proves that Bigfoot and a unicorn were there, right? So 
there's an empty tomb that doesn't prove that somebody was in it. They just found a, an unused tomb. And in that story itself doesn't even make sense. If Joseph of Arimathea uh, paid for the tomb for Jesus, said, I'll buy him a tomb, take him off the cross, let's put him in the tomb, right? Um, and then Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus is no longer there, which means Joseph can use the tomb himself or for some of his friends or family, right? Why would you just leave it empty? It's not being used. So finding an empty tomb and somehow that's proof of Jesus is just absurd. Anyway, let's talk about the Gospel of Mark. Jesus Christ, Mark. Okay, so the Gospel of Mark, or as it was originally gone by, it was named the Gospel According to Mark. So it's definitely not Mark speaking. And there's a couple spots in there that make this abundantly clear. Um, that he's telling the stories as an outsider to the actual events that happened. Um, but we now know it as the Gospel of Mark. Um, and it reads like a collection of short stories, like super short stories. Um, when people would write Gospels, the only people who could read or write are the educated people. So the common man, wouldn't be able to read or write. So, as we know from a lot of the stories, Jesus would go up to these guys fishing and say, follow me, and you'll be fishers of men, right? So these are fishermen. They're not classically educated and, you know, well-versed people who could read and write. They're just fishermen. They're just, they work out. They, they, do, they do laborous stuff every day. It's not called... My gospel, hi, I'm Mark, or the gospel according to me, Mark. It's the gospel according to Mark, and it's clearly written by somebody else. So this other person would likely have been uh, brought up being able to read and write, and they obviously knew some scriptures. Um, So we're going to go through the book of Mark, the book of the gospel of Mark, um, And hopefully that'll be the common theme for the next couple episodes is going through Mark. Because right now I've made it exactly three verses into Mark before I have my first problem. And that's what we're going to talk about. I'm not super big into providing verses when I speak. Because if you want to know, you can just look it up. You can Google it yourself. Like if I'm talking about making fishers of men, you can just Google that and you'll find the Bible verse. Um, But since we're only going to be covering, basically, Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, I think it's rather easy. I'm going to give you the verses in my own common tongue, the way I basically understand them. So it's not going to be word for word, but it's basically going to give you the same message. So Mark basically starts off by saying, this is the gospel or the story of Jesus or something. And then he says, uh, as it's written in the book of Isaiah, I will send a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. And the next verse, verse three, uh, makes smooth the way for the Lord or something like that. So it basically repeats itself, make way for the Lord, make way for the Lord. But the first one is prepare or send a messenger to prepare the way. And then the, the, 
following verses just prepare the way. This is the first story of Mark, and it's the introduction to John the Baptist, where uh, John the Baptist is going to baptize Jesus, and he tells the people, um, I baptize you with water, but here there's going to be coming a guy who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, somebody that I'm not even worthy to baptize or some crap like that. So to quickly recap, it says, According to Isaiah, or as it's written in Isaiah, I'm going to send a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. And then it goes into the next verse, we're going to prepare a way for the Lord. So we look at that a little bit closer, so it, it claims that it came from Isaiah. So the only part that came from Isaiah was the second part of that, the second prepare the way for the Lord. So we look at Isaiah 40, verse 3. It's easy to remember Mark 1, verse 3, and Isaiah 40, verse 3. They both uh, are basically identical, not exactly the same, but pretty much identical by what it says in the second verse. But in Isaiah, there's nothing about sending a messenger. Remember, it was a messenger to clear the way. So we've made it exactly three lines into the gospel of Mark before we realize that the author is either ignorant and he doesn't know the scriptures, he's lying to us, or whatever the reason, it's definitely not written by a, a perfect God. Where in Isaiah does it say messenger? Nowhere. It doesn't. Nowhere in Isaiah does it talk about sending a messenger to prepare the way. So Mark is already wrong. He's already incorrect when he says, as it's written in Isaiah. And then literally he lies to you. I guess the author of Mark just thought we wouldn't look up scripture. I guess in, in the 2000 years, am I the first person to look this up? Has no one caught on yet that Mark is a big, fat, lying donkey? Jesus Christ, Mark. So then we, what we need to do, the next reasonable uh, step when trying to look into this is to figure out, well, what does Isaiah say? So we're looking at just one verse. Well, let's read the whole thing in context, right? So we look at the whole chapter uh, of Isaiah 40, and it's basically talking about how great God is, how awesome he is. Like if the grass grows and a flower grows and then it falls over, it's because God breathed on it. He's awesome. Look how awesome I am, everybody. I'm amazing, right? So that's what chapter 40 is about, is how great God is. Let's all take a minute and think about how great this God is, you know? Um, ignore, like, you know, Genesis and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Exodus and Judges and Samuel and, you know, ignore those books. Those are just pesky little things anyway. Um, but the whole book of Isaiah basically goes over all these different kings and cities and other just all these different places where they're not following the ways of God, um, they're, whether they're an enemy of God or the ways that, uh, of their people are sinful and whatever else. 
and then it sprinkles in a little bit of stuff about the Israelites. Israelites, um, you guys are messing up. You're you're you've drifted away from what I want you to do. You're you're messing up. But then there's a couple songs of hope. You. I know you can come back to the way you're supposed to do it. I have faith in you. Um, you know, keep your chin up. One day you'll come back. And then it talks about uh, the Israelites again in Isaiah 41, 42, 43, 44. It calls them the servant. Um, it says, oh, or it says, Israel, oh, Jacob, my servant. So Israel and Jacob are both. Uh, synonymous words. They both mean the same thing. The people of God. Jacob is the house of Israel. So it'll be it'll be used interchangeably in the Bible. Um, sometimes there might be a guy named Jacob, but when it's it's a vague reference to a Jacob, it, it's almost definitely Israelites. Israel, the house of God's people. So Israel is the servant. And then you jump forward to chapter 53 and it talks about the suffering servant. Well, who's been the servant who's gone through all this crap so far? Well, Isaiah specifically called them out and said it's the Israelites. But Christians will will go to that uh, chapter, take it out of context and say it's talking about Jesus because it says they were pierced or something like that. Like they pierced and died or I don't know, but some crap like they're, they're taking what Isaiah says out of context to try to fit their narrative. So now walking this information back to Mark chapter one, verse three, going to prepare a way for the Lord. So he's literally quoting a song or a, a poem about how great God is. That's what the author of Mark starts off by doing. Now, many Christians will actually say this is one of the first prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Now, just because I quote something that I found in a book doesn't make me a prophet. Just because he quotes something doesn't make him a prophet. So they're literally grasping at straws to try and justify their ridiculous point of view. So where did they even get the bit that we see in verse number two in Isaiah? It is written, I will send a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. It's definitely not Isaiah. Now, is it? Well, you do a little bit more research and you find it in this weird book. There's only four chapters. Um, it's in the Old Testament. It's called Malachi. So if you go to Malachi chapter three, it does talk about sending a messenger. But Malachi is a different book than Isaiah. Notice how the names don't sound similar at all. I'll say them together. Isaiah, Malachi. But apparently the author of Mark didn't know this or didn't care or thought that we were too stupid that we wouldn't actually read for ourselves. Just remember, in scripture it says there are seven things that the Holy Spirit hates and one of them is a lying tongue. So the Holy Spirit hates Mark who lies about Jesus being the Messiah. We're, we'll, we'll bring this all back together in just a moment. But basically, the Holy Spirit hates Mark. So we'll, we'll just start there for now. Um, 
So we're looking now at the book of Malachi, which is not Isaiah Mark, Jesus Christ Mark. The names are completely different. So Malachi talks about this prophet Elijah. So Elijah is foretold in the book of Malachi as being this messenger who would come back and he would bring people to be right with God. And if they don't get right with God, there's going to be devastation. They're basically, if you don't believe in God or you don't come to God's ways when Elijah comes back, you're dead. That That's just the end of the story. You're dead. There's destruction. Everything's burnt to ashes. They pull you out like a, a weed in the ground. You're just, you're dead. So if you're hearing this and you're not a believer of the God of the Bible, then either Malachi is not real or it's not from God or Elijah hasn't come back yet. But Jesus says in Mark, uh, I think it's chapter nine, Elijah has already returned. So if Elijah has already returned, how are there non-believers? So now let, let, let's kind of go back to Mark and let's see if we can read this again and possibly uh, insert some of the information that we've gone over so far. So in the it is written in Isaiah, which no, it's not you lying booger. Um, I will send a messenger who we know is Elijah to tell you how awesome God is to make you understand how awesome God is and prepare the way for your awesome God. As it's written in Isaiah, I'm going to send a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. The last thing that I want to do with this selection from the Bible is to go over a little bit of the original language behind some of the, the verses. And then we'll, we'll be done with this episode, and I'll play that full song of the rap song of Psalms 137. So when we look at the verse from Malachi, it says he's going to send a messenger. And that word messenger comes from the Hebrew word for uh, angel, or sometimes it's used as pastor, teacher, um, but it's most frequently used as angel, but it can in, in any way, shape, or form be somebody who's helping you. So you could say, yeah, maybe it's talking about a rabbi and people call Jesus rabbi. Well, that's great, but Malachi is specifically talking about Elijah and Jesus says Elijah already came. So that's a moot point. In the original Isaiah verse, it says a voice calling In the desert, prepare a way for the Lord. Make a straight path in the wilderness for our God. In the Mark verse, Mark chapter 1 verse 3, it basically says the same. It says there's a voice calling in the desert. Um, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the path for the one. 
So the difference here, not that it's a huge difference, but it is another difference. Um, instead of saying the Lord or God at the end of the second part of the verse in Mark, he says the one. So he doesn't say God, he says the one. Make straight the path for the one. Jesus Christ, Mark, you can't even get the, the verse right. Jesus Christ. So in the Isaiah verse, um, when it talks about God, it says the Lord and God. Those come from two separate Hebrew words. The first one being the name Yahweh, when it says Lord. Lord is shown in all uppercase letters, which means it's representative of the holy name of God. They don't, uh, Jewish people don't like using the name too frequently. Um, so instead of using the tetragrammation of Yahweh, which is the Y-H-W-H, -H, they just say Lord in all capitals to refer to it. Um, so again, in, in Jewish, you'll hear them talk about Hashem or Hashem. Um, that literally means the name. So again, Yahweh is too holy of a name for them to say it regularly. So they substitute it out a lot. Um, the second reference makes straight the path for the, uh, for our God. Our God comes from the root word Elohim, which is the plural, uh, way to talk about God. Cause it's talking about God and all his it, technically children, but it usually means angels. But of course, Christians don't believe that they, they just think, Elohim just means the one God. It's just a way to talk about God, even though they're demonstrably false. They're incorrect. They're just as incorrect as Mark is every time he opens his fat mouth. It's not super important, the distinction between the titles they use, but it's a little important. Um, they first say Yahweh, which is directly God. The second one is less specific in the original writings. They also have another term they use um, that you'll see in, in Hebrew scriptures. In Hebrew, it's called Adonai, which is like the most holy God. Um, but most of the time in the Old Testament, when they're referring to Yahweh, the God, the Father, they're talking about Yahweh or Elohim or some variation of Elohim. Um, El Elyon, which is the most high God, El. And then in the New Testament, they talk about um, whenever they reference God the Father, that comes from the, the Greek words either theos or kurios. Um, I, I know I'm saying that second one wrong, kurios. Um, but those are the two ways that they refer to the heavenly God guy, right? Um so in the Mark verse, when it talks about um, God in these two references, it it starts off by saying uh, "curios" in the first reference, um, prepare a way for the Lord, prepare a way for "curios," which is God's name, sort of. And then the next one is uh, make the path straight for the one or for him. So then now it's a generic name. 
So Mark has taken out some of the sanctity, some of the religiosity of it. Um, He's made it less sacred. So the guy telling us the first story of Jesus, God the Son, walking on the earth, made the story just completely ridiculous. And that's how we start off, with a ridiculous-ass story. So that's all I really got for this time. So I hope you enjoyed. Um, I'm going to keep digging into the the Gospels. I mean, I'm going to go through Mark. I made it up to three verses before I had a problem this time. So um, I guess the next episode will be the next problem I have. Um, so that's it. And then I'll leave you with this amazing rap song. And I'll see you next time. Real quick, before I get to the rap video, um, I don't know if I made it abundantly clear how uh, Mark makes Jesus a liar or if Mark is true that Jesus is a lie. So Mark is setting up that Jesus would be the Lord that the messenger brings. The messenger would be John the Baptist making way for the Lord. But the messenger is not John the Baptist, and the Lord, as the scripture dictates, is not Jesus, but rather God the Father. So if you're, if you refuse to read the scripture, then okay, sure, here's Jesus. He's the one who fulfilled the scripture. But if you actually read the scriptures, no, Jesus is not fulfilling anything here. Jesus Christ, Mark. Everyone who beats their children are against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children are against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children are against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children are against the rocks. Yo, I'm not praying for an opportunity to even it out with my enemies. I'd rather let the Lord avenge the evil that's been done to me. Cause ultimately judgment belongs to the Lord. Cause I'm too weak to settle the score. Hey, I just wanna clear conscience. Letting go of the spirit of personal vengeance. Letting God vindicate his people by judging the wicked. Trying to do it by yourself will be your ultimate weakness. It's hard to sing the songs in a foreign land. It's hard to comprehend, but we live it all in God's hands. It's the only way that God's glory will be displayed. Just live it all to Him despite what the O's say. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children against the rocks. May the Lord bless everyone who beats your children against the rocks.